0: This evening, we are going to talk about biblical authority. Now, Ken Ham has talked about this with Answers in Genesis, and uh, I I really believe in their ministry. It's a strong, powerful ministry focused on building up the Word of God and its authority because that's really where the battle is at, is with the Word of God. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6 says this, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, or He will rebuke you and prove you a liar. You know, when I was growing up, I used to think, don't add to His words. That means, well, you know, don't add 2nd Opinion chapter 3 in there, right? Don't add, you know, Revelation chapter 23. But I believe that I've come to understand that we add to God's word. in in a much different way than what I used to think growing up. Look what it says here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I can go around the world and talk about that. Some people will argue with it, but a lot of people won't, at least in the church. But if in the church I start saying, in the beginning about 6,000 years ago, Oh, now all of a sudden I've even offended half or more of the church. Because we have added to the Word of God. What have we added to the Word of God? Well, that's what I want to show you. Look at this. If you go to museums today, you're going to see things like this. Earth's true age, clues from space. So how are you going to find answers to how old the earth is? Well, not from the Bible, but from space. Right? The problem is this, it is the unobservable past when creation took place. So you have to make some assumptions. From there, we make interpretations. From those interpretations, then you come up with a conclusion. Let me ask you, what if your assumptions that you begin with are incorrect Assuming the Bible is right or assuming the Bible is not right. If your assumption is wrong, that means your interpretation is going to be wrong, which means you're going to come up with wrong conclusions as well. But many people say, You can't say the earth is young. What about the dating methods? Well, what about the dating methods? As a matter of fact, what about the 90% of the dating methods that are out there that actually show the earth cannot be billions of years old? Did you know that? 90% of the dating methods that are there actually show the earth can't be as old as they're saying it is. The amount of salt in the ocean, the amount of helium in the air, all kinds of things. So, yeah, what about those dating methods? It's interesting because if we take the Bible and you add absolutely nothing else to it, do you know what people get? They see that this earth is just a few thousand years old. They see that God... When he created this world, not long after, there was the fall into sin. That caused death, disease, and suffering to come about. That caused later Noah's flood to come about. And then down the road, we see a covenant that was made to to Israel and to the people that bring us to Christ. And that Jesus is coming back. It's pretty simple. But if you take the Bible and then you add to it man's fallible dating methods, their interpretations and faulty assumptions, now all of a sudden we get millions of years, evolution, humanism, all kinds of ideas that are not consistent with the Word of God. Look here. This timeline of the six days of creation doesn't line up with the millions of years that are presented. Unless you take those days of creation and you twist and you turn, you take them out of context, where do you fit millions of years into Genesis when you read it? You can't. Some say, well, Genesis 1 and 2, they're different creation accounts. No, they're not. Completely different purposes. One's the account of creation. The other is how does that creation affect man? Well, each day of creation could be millions of years. No, they can't because if you have the sun created on day four and each day is a million years, what do you do with those plants a million years before that that were there living without photosynthesis? Doesn't work, among many other problems like that. You see, the only way you can get the millions of years is to twist and to turn or, as I said, take things out of context. They have things like... The gap theory and so on. It's a gap because you see, there's a gap between Genesis 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. It's in your Bible in that little white space between the period and the next capital letter. Do not add to the word of God, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. But that's what we do, we add. So this gap theory that's there, the problem with that is how can the fall of Satan come when God at the end of the sixth day says it's very good. Satan, death, disease, that's not very good. But people come up with all these ideas. There's gap theory, progressive creation, day-age theory. Lots of different ways to try and get this into the scriptures. This millions of years. You know what's fascinating to me? Where do we get a day from? Well, that's how long it takes the earth to rotate on its axis, isn't it? 24-hour day. By the way, that means a day has to be a day back at the beginning of time, just as it is now, right? How about this? Where do we get a month from? Well, that's how long it takes for the moon To go around the earth. It's dependent upon the moon. Notice as well, day one, the sun, is not needed to get a day, is it? It's the earth that gives us a day, not the sun. How about a year? Where do we get a year from? Well, that's how long it takes for the earth to go around the sun. Okay, next one. A week. Where do we get a week from? Yeah, there's no explanation for a week except for the authority of God's Word. For God says in Exodus 20, just as I created in six days, He says and rested on the seventh, blessed the Sabbath. He says, now you go and do the same. The only reason we have a week is is because of the authority of God's Word in the days of creation. Now, I'll tell you what, if each day of creation is a million years, that is a bummer work week. I mean, I can't wait for the Sabbath, but that work week. Yeah. You see, the authority of scriptures are important. You know it's interesting people say but day day can mean a long period of time. Yes it can. But you know what? I can tell you when it means a long period of time. Context is everything. There are other words that God could have used that you know would clearly indicate that this wasn't a 24-hour period. But he didn't use them. Instead, he used the one that most often means 24-hour period. It is true That at times, it can mean, for example, the day of the Lord, a specific time. It can can refer to a long period of time in other cases. But it can also mean a 24-hour period in the context, and Hebrew grammatical rules tell us when it's supposed to be a day. I'm not going to get into this too much, but when, when you use the word yom, day, in connection with a number or the word evening or morning, 2,291 times outside of Genesis 1 and 2? Do you know that every time it means a 24-hour day and nobody, and I mean nobody, challenges it? See, we can tell when day is supposed to be a day. And using those same Hebrew grammatical rules and you apply it to Genesis, it means a 24-hour day, period. Period. But context, Ken Ham is famous for saying, you know, back in my father's day, it took 10 days to cross the Australian outback in the day. Now, I just used three words there, day, three forms of that word, three different meanings. Now, do any of you need a dictionary to figure this one out? Back in my father's day, oh, I only wish that what that meant. You know, because of the context. Context a long time ago. It took 10 days, 10 24 hour periods to cross the Australian outback during the day, the time of light. But what happens is we have so many people taking things out of context and saying, well they can mean this, because look over here in Psalms. Yeah, it's in Psalms. When you're looking at it in Genesis, you have to use it in the Hebrew grammatical rules there and the context there to see what it means. That's simple. But that's the only way they can get millions of years is to add to or take it out of its own context. Is anybody out there arguing how long it took Jonah to be in the belly of that great fish? I mean, was it really three days and three nights? I mean, I don't know, because a day can mean a long period. Maybe he was in that belly three months. Nobody's arguing that. Nobody's arguing how long it took them to walk around the walls of Jericho. Nobody's arguing what the word day means anywhere except for in Genesis 1 and 2. Is it because the Bible caused us to question it? No, it's because the theory of evolution has caused us to question the Bible. That's simple. These are important questions because, you know what, kids, people, adults, they're wondering things like this. Can you be a Christian and believe in millions of years? It might surprise you. I believe yes. Absolutely yes. Because what you believe about the age of the earth doesn't make you a Christian or not. What you believe about Jesus Christ and whether He is your personal Lord and Savior, that makes you a Christian. I know I'm going to be in heaven with people who believed things differently than I do. Because the blood of Jesus covered their sins. So do not take me wrong in what I'm saying here in that people aren't Christians when they believe in millions of years. But I am going to say this. There is a bigger issue at stake here. It is an important question. Because the important thing isn't six days. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that we have to admit that our culture has changed. Our culture is changing and not for the better. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you believe Jesus was born of a virgin? Very good. How many of you believe that he walked on water? Good. How many of you believe that he took a man's ear after Peter had (laughs) cut it off with a sword, picked it up off of the ground, stuck it on the man's head? No surgery, no stitches, just Done. Yeah. We believe this. Why? Because the authority of the Word of God. He turned water into wine. Nobody questions it. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I can go into any church and talk about those things, and really, nobody has a problem with it. Let me show you this quote here. This is Dr. James Boyce. He's a speaker on the Bible Study Hour. He says, we have to admit here that the exegetical basis of the creationist is strong. In spite of the careful biblical and scientific research that is accumulated in support of the creationist view, there are problems that make the theory wrong to most, including many evangelical scientists. Data from various disciplines point to the very old earth and an even older universe. Now here's the question. Where is he getting this information from? Is he getting it from the Bible? No, as a matter of fact, he says the exegetical case for the creationists is strong. If you just read from the Bible, I have to admit it's strong. But data from other sources is saying the earth is old. Now you see, it's not the authority of God's Word, it's the authority of scientists, apparently. Their interpretations. Davis Young, professor at Calvin College, says science must be allowed to modify our exegesis of scripture. This is a Christian man. We even see him going on. But it is to their credit that they viewed the growing body of extra-biblical evidence devastatingly opposed to the traditional ideas of Noah's flood, not as a threat to faith, but as an occasion for reaching a better understanding of Genesis. What caused him to question the age of the earth? Extra biblical sources do not add to my word. It's not coming from the Bible. It's coming from somewhere else. These challenges to the authority of God's word and what he's saying, isn't it? Scripture Union, Salt Magazine says this. When was the universe made? The study of paleontology has rendered it virtually impossible for a serious scientist to make a case for a six day creation about 6,000 years ago. Expositor's Bible says, if anyone is in search of accurate information regarding the age of the earth, he's referred to recent textbooks in astronomy, geology, paleontology. No one for a moment dreams of referring a serious student of these subjects to the Bible as a source of information we're not getting the idea of millions of years from scripture people you know if you take the word of god and you stick it next to something like the dating methods as an example not the method itself but the interpretations of them really and they don't agree which one must be wrong because they can't they both can't be right clearly The interpretations of science are giving us one idea and the Bible is giving us another. Well, isn't it something when they don't agree which one normally gets rearranged and reinterpreted? It isn't the methods and saying, wow, we must be doing something wrong. It is, well, God must be wrong. The Bible's not right. He's tricking us. When those two things don't agree, It's the Bible that gets cut up, rearranged, and reinterpreted and modified. Yet, if I go to a church and I say, God created this world in six 24 hour days just a few thousand years ago, you know what? The church? They're in, oh, no, 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 no. You know, scientists say, you know, evolution, dating methods, all of these things, right? But if I go to those same churches and I say, you know what? Jesus was not born of a virgin Mary. Oh, yes, He was. He did not walk on water. He didn't turn water into wine. And He certainly didn't raise the dead or heal a man's ear. Yes, He did. How can you say that? Because do you know that that is scientifically impossible? Why is it that Christians today somehow are saying, well, yeah, I can believe, I can believe that when it comes to millions of years and allow science to interpret scripture. But when it comes to the New Testament, science doesn't interpret that. What is God? A God of the the Old Testament can't do miracles, but the God of the New Testament can? Doesn't make sense, does it? It's the same hermeneutics. Same thing. Hermeneutics is simply the way we study and interpret Scripture. We must be consistent. And again, I'm not against science. I love science. I'm just against evolution and the false interpretations of science. False interpretations of that data. There's something called eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis is simply reading into And so when it says that God made, in six 24-hour days, we read into the text our culture, our presuppositions, our beliefs. That's how you do it. But exegesis is different. Exegesis is saying we let Scripture speak for itself and Scripture interprets Scripture. So when that word day is used, how is it used in other parts of the Bible? How is it used in conjunction with the grammatical rules? How is it used in the context of this verse? How is this verse in connection with this paragraph and this chapter, this book? Because our thinking in every area must be standing on the authority of the Word of God. Look what Martin Luther says. How long did the work of creation take When Moses writes a God created heaven and earth and whatever is in them in six days, then let this period continue to have been six days. Don't venture to devise any comment according to which six days were one day. But if you can't understand how this could have been done in six days, then grant the Holy Spirit the honor of being more learned than you are. Yeah, I love that. You see, God's smarter than us. If you can't understand how he did something, give him the honor of being smarter than you are. But we have people like James Dobson telling us that each day of creation may be a long period of time because, well, is a day really a day? I don't know. Yes, a day is a day. The Bible tells me what it is, evening and morning. The first day, the earth in rotation has nothing to do with the sun, like I said, because people say, you can't have an evening and a morning, the sun's not there. Don't need it. I just need a light source like Jesus, the light of the world. Just like in the book of Revelation, there is no sun because the Lamb gives us light. Evening and morning. But here we see Martin Luther continuing, you are to deal with Scripture in such a way that you bear in mind that God Himself says what is written. But since God is speaking, it is not fitting for you wantingly to turn His Word in the direction you wish it to go. Some wise words there. Just because you want it to say something doesn't mean you have the right to change it to say it. Scripture interprets Scripture. But you know what? Today, we see a loved one dies. Who do we blame? God! God's to blame for all these bad things that happen in our life. Why? Because the authority of Scripture has been taken away. You see, if evolution is true, this earth is millions of years old, and that means death was here before Adam and Eve, before sin came into the world. That being the case, death was here before Adam and Eve, before sin. My Bible says sin caused death. It was man's fault. Evolution says it was here before man, God's fault. No wonder people are so angry with God when bad things happen because we've been bringing them up in a culture, theologically even, that says death, disease, and suffering didn't come about because of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve probably weren't even real people. What do you say to these people who are hurting? What can we say? Really, nothing. Because if they're right and the earth is millions of years old, then they're right, it is God's fault not man's. Why death is here? Why disease? Why suffering? There is no explanation outside of original sin, a young earth, and an Adam and Eve. And yes, that does affect the gospel. You've heard me talk about that before. It affects the gospel because you see, then why did Jesus come to die on the cross for us? He could have stayed up in heaven and said, I forgive you. But death has meaning. It was the curse of man's sin and therefore Jesus came to die to be the cure for man's sin. Taking man's punishment for him. Conquering it as he rose from the dead. There's a six day creation or there's millions of years. The six day creation is based upon the authority of God's word. Millions of years, it's not based upon the authority of God's word. That's based upon man's authority. I'm going to show you a video here in a little bit of this serial killer. Do you remember this guy here? His name was Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a serial killer who cannibalized his victims. When they caught him, he had human skins and humans in his freezer. Human skin lampshades and things like that. And we're talking this guy, evil. Outright Evil. But you know what? I believe that I'm going to be in heaven someday with Jeffrey Dahmer. Why? Because of what his confession was in prison. Look what he says here. Uh, In a Dateline NBC interview, he said, if a person doesn't think there's a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I always believed the theory of evolution is truth. We all just came from the slime. When we, when we died, you know, that was it. There's nothing. In a Newsweek article as well, he described the reason he behaved the way he did is because evolution, again, no accountability. He's just an animal. Why not behave as an animal? But after he got caught, because of the message of creation and the authority of God's Word, he realized he's going to be held accountable for his sins. He confessed his sins, and he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I'm going to be in heaven with Jeffrey Dahmer, that evil serial killer. You know, some people think about that, and they go, ugh. I think about that, and I go, praise God. Because if he can get in, I ought to be able to get in. Now, by the way, that's a heresy right there. But that's what people think, because you see, that's a works-based righteousness. If I'm better than Jeffrey Dahmer, I should be able to go. No! You and I are no better than Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm a lying, thieving, murderous adulterer at heart. The Ten Commandments show me that. I'm no better, but I have the same Jesus. And that Jesus died on a cross paying my penalty with his meaningful death on the cross. So I can boldly, confidently profess that I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus and Jeffrey Dahmer. That's what creation means. You see, there's something bigger at stake. Here, watch this interview with Jeffrey Dahmer and see what he says. And and his father is here with him.
1: I feel it's... uh wrong for people who commit crimes to try to shift the blame onto somebody else onto their parents or onto their their upbringing or, circ- or living circumstances I I think that's just a, a cop-out and uh, my parents my relatives had no knowledge of what I was doing they're absolutely not responsible for any of it in any way and
2: uh, I take full responsibility But you understand understand that what you did would lead your father to ask himself all kinds of questions. Where where did I go wrong? Was there something I could have said or done to have prevented this? Did I, in some way, create or contribute to the terrible acts my son committed? I understand that. I I just get uh, angry with other people who
1: who think that uh, they have a right to... uh, to somehow try to blame my parents for what happened. That's not right at all. No one has the right to do that because they're totally innocent. They had no knowledge of it.
3: And uh, that angers me. But parents just naturally, I mean, any parent that really cares, they just, first of all, say, gee, I feel guilty. You know, there's just feelings of guilt. What happened? What did I do? What could I have done? So that's a normal parental reaction. Your dad has wondered about all kinds of things,
2: from the medication that your mom was on during her pregnancy, to the fact that you were exposed to violent arguments in the home from an early age and continuing, to the possibility that he might have passed on some genetic propensity for obsession or violent behavior. Does any of that ring true to you? I can
1: see why he'd wonder about those things, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're all excuses. Because I didn't feel accountable to anybody, I didn't feel that I had to, to uh, face what I had done ever, and uh, so you, you have. There comes a point where a person has to, has to be accountable for what he's done. Can't go, can't go around making excuses, uh, blaming other people, or other things. So I, I alone am the one who is responsible for what's happened.
3: Let me ask: When did you first feel that? Everyone is accountable for their actions Well, thanks to you for for
1: sending uh, that uh, creation science uh, material Because I always I always believe the uh, the lie that uh, Evolution is truth the theory of evolution is truth that we all just came from uh, the slime and uh, When we when we died, you know that was it there was nothing so it, the whole theory cheapens life and uh, started reading books about how that show how evolution is, is just a complete lie there's, there's no there's no basis in science to, uh, to uphold it and I've come to since come to believe that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true creator of uh, the heavens and the earth it just didn't just happen and uh, I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior and I believe that
2: I, as, long, as well as everyone else, will be accountable to him. Growing up, did you feel that you were accountable to your dad, or to your mom, as the authority yes, figure in the house? Yes, I did. I mean, they, they didn't let me
1: uh, run wild. They were, they disciplined me. And uh, so I felt accountable to them. But afterwards, after I left the home, that's, that's when I... Uh, Started wanting to uh, sort of create my own little world where I could be the one who had the complete control Where I didn't have to uh, bow to anyone else's demands, and uh, I just took it way too far
3: Well at that period of time I had drifted away from a belief in a supreme being And I never as a result passed along the feeling that we are all accountable in the end. He owns us. And that basic concept is very fundamental to all of us. You feel that the absence, at least for a while, of a strong religious
2: faith yes. and belief for some years may have prevented you from instilling some of that in Jeff. That's right. Is that how you feel? Yes,
1: I think I had a big, uh, big part to, deal, to do with it. I mean, uh, if you don't, if a person doesn't think that there, there is a God to be accountable to, then, then what's, what's the point of, of trying to uh, modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought, anyway. And uh, I've since come to believe that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is truly God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the only true God.
0: Isn't that interesting, his accountability? I mean, the father, I mean, he says he wants to kind of, he wanted to take it in. He, he wanted to blame himself. And Jeffrey says, no, it wasn't your fault. It was because I had no accountability when I left your house. Evolution wasn't. And by the way, his father had fallen away, as he said, right? And it was the lack of the Christian foundation that he says is partly what caused him to do these things. But now he knows the truth. And it was creation, the message of the authority of God's word, that brought him around. Look here, do you guys remember Charles Templeton? He traveled the world with Billy Graham. Billy Graham's right-hand man, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And he became one of the world's leading atheists. He wrote this book, Farewell to God. In it, this is what he wrote. I believe that there is no supreme being with human attributes, no God in the biblical sense, but that life is the result of timeless evolutionary forces, having reached its present transient state over millions of years. What happened to Charles Templeton? He went to college. You know what happened at college? He learned evolution. And the authority of God's word was challenged to where he began to believe that it was no longer an authority. That's what's happening with so many people today as well. And that's why I think the creation ministries are so important. I wish that you could travel around with me and go to schools as I speak in schools and see the the things. These are just some little snippets of letters that I get. Look at this. Before I became a believer, I was an atheist and an evolutionist, so I brought that baggage with me. But now, I no longer have God in a box. Just after listening for two hours. I was a huge skeptic about creation. My faith in the Word of God was slipping. Then slowly, over the course of time, I slipped to the dark side. This was the mindset I was in until I heard you speak. Thank you, Jenna Pickle, an eighth grader at the time. I always had a hard time believing the Bible, but ever since you came to our school, I know I can trust the Bible. You came to my school when I was in sixth grade, and I don't remember everything you said, but after that, I never doubted God's word again. I've always heard about dinosaurs and millions of years kind of stuff, but didn't know how that fit into the Bible. Now I know Jesus is real. I've had many conversations with my classmates who don't believe the Bible, but I could never give them the answers to the things that they would bring up. You help me to explain things and show them the Bible is accurate. See, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to show them God's word is trustworthy, but we're living in a culture that they are attacking. Satan is attacking the authority of God's word. We have people like President ex President Obama, right? mocking Christianity listen what he says here
4: which passages of Scripture should guide our public policy should we go with uh, Leviticus which uh, suggests slavery is okay or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount a passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own defense department would survive its application. Folks haven't been reading their Bible.
0: Clearly, he has no understanding of what the Bible says. He's taking it out of context. Okay? It has nothing to do with our defense policy. You know, this, the Beatitudes. He doesn't understand. You see, people are reading their Bibles, they just don't understand them. They're taking him out of context, just like Obama did. Watch this cartoon here, uh, Dilbert.
1: I'm worried about little Dilbert. He's not like other kids. What do you mean? Yesterday, I left him alone for a minute, and he disassembled the TV, our clock, and the stereo. That's perfectly normal. Kids take things apart. Oh. The part that worries me is he used the components to build a ham radio set. Oh, dear.
4: Is that bad?
1: Normally I'd want to run an EEG on him, but the machine isn't working. It's worse than I feared. What is it? I'm afraid your son has... the knack.
5: The knack?
1: The knack. It's a rare condition, characterized by an extreme intuition about all things mechanical and electrical, and utter social ineptitude. Can he lead a normal life? No.
3: He'll be an engineer.
1: <laughs> no. there,
0: there. Isn't that something? It, you're going to be an engineer. Oh, no. That's the way people believe about Christianity and creation today. If your kid is going to believe in creation in the schools today, oh, no, he's going to be a moron. He can't be an engineer. He can't be a scientist, an inventor, an innovator, or any of these things as you're going to see. It's a disease to be a creationist today. That's what our culture is pushing upon us. This actor here, back when uh, Sarah Palin was running for vice president, Sarah Palin believes the earth is young, just a few thousand years old. She believes dinosaurs live with people. And so Matt Damon says this.
4: Crazy, she, I mean, did she really, I need to know if she really thinks dinosaurs were here 4,000 years ago. That's an important, I wanna know that, I really do because she's going to have the nuclear codes, you know? I, I want to know if she thinks dinosaurs were here 4,000 years ago. Yeah, the implication
0: she... is she's going to have the nuclear codes. She might go crazy and push the button. You see, you're crazy if you believe in creation. You can't not only be a scientist, but a politician apparently. But this is what evolution is doing. It's it, it stripped us of common sense. Of morality? Mary here at Salon writes, Throughout my own pregnancies, I never wavered for a moment in the beliefs I was carrying a human life inside me. I believe that's what a fetus is, human life. But that doesn't make me one iota less solidly pro-choice. If by some random fluke I learned today I was pregnant, you bet your blank I'd have an abortion. I'd have the world's greatest abortion. Because Evolution has taken away the sanctity of life. You know, it used to be, you know, argue that, hey, you've got to show them that this is a baby. Now, they don't care. Because they have no ruler, no creator who made them, who's an authority to give them rules for their life. So now they make up their own rules. And they're okay with it. Who's to tell me it's wrong to kill a human life? Richard Dawkins says this, with respect to those meanings of human that are relevant to the morality of abortion, any fetus is less human than an adult pig. Unbelievable. And this is what we want our kids learning? How about Lawrence Krauss? This guy is being groomed to replace Richard Dawkins. He is one of the leading professors in science today in our country, really around the world.
4: The United says. States uh, just uh, uh, stated that uh, cr- teaching creationism is child abuse, and I, I think it is. Uh, namely, if you withhold knowledge or you do anything to children that puts them at a competitive disadvantage uh, as adults, it's child abuse. It's mild forms of child abuse, but it's 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 like withholding med- medicine, withholding knowledge uh, that later on will cause kids to become less competitive because. Evolution is the basis of modern biology. And, and teaching things that are basically lies, even if they're well-intentioned, is child abuse. I mean, people it's not that people are doing this to be evil, but they're, they're hurting their children. Especially, of course, telling kids they're going to go to hell. That's definitely child abuse. It is inappropriate. And teachers not only should not be doing this, but in fact, if they are, they should be removed, in my opinion. Because the purpose of education, as I've often said... Is not to validate ignorance,
0: but to overcome. Teaching creation is child abuse? Wow. Don't kid yourselves, guys. This is where we're headed. This is where we're headed. Do you remember a few years back? Um, the pop singer, Britney Spears, she was caught driving a car with a baby in her arms. And the world was in an uproar. Oh, my goodness, what a crazy, terrible monster of a woman, a mother. You know what's interesting? When I was a kid, my dad would take me to the dump, and I'd ride in the back of the pickup, you know, like, having fun. He'd even tap on the brakes to make sure I was paying attention from time to time. And nobody was saying, what an evil monster my father was. What changed? The laws changed.
2: The laws changed.
0: Laws are good moral teachers. Do you know in the UK it's now illegal to teach creation in private schools? He's saying teaching creation is child abuse? Don't kid yourself, we're not far from it being where you're going to teach creation in your Sunday schools or in your home, and the police are coming to take your children away. They're coming to shut the doors of your church because that is child abuse. It's coming. Hate speech, to to speak lovingly to people and warn them that homosexuality is sin. It's coming. Well, look what else Lawrence Krauss said in one of his lectures. The... um...
4: This is something that that I wrote a whole book about. And someone asked me yesterday why I wrote that book. Because it is the most poetic thing I know about the universe. Um, But the amazing thing is that every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. And the atoms in your left hand probably came from a different star than your right hand. It really is the most poetic thing I know about physics. You are all stardust. You couldn't be here if stars hadn't exploded. Because the elements, the carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, iron, all the things that matter for evolution, weren't created at the beginning of time. They're created in the nuclear furnaces of stars. And the only way they can get into your body is if the stars were kind enough to explode. So forget Jesus. The stars died so that you could be here today. OK? And, and anyway,
0: Now, what amazes me about this is not a single thing that this man says is science. Not a scientific statement. No, your right hand and left hand, different stars form them. Really? Let me ask you, is that a scientific statement? Because, you know, for science, you have to observe it. Did he see that happening? No. And hydrogen and helium and all of the elements that we have in the universe, they weren't created at the beginning of of time. How do you know? My Bible says they were. No, they they were formed in the nuclear furnace of stars blowing up. How does he know? You see, none of these things are scientific statements. In fact, they even go against science, laws of science. Doesn't make any sense. But he's applauded, especially with that last statement, forget Jesus, the stars died for you. So that you could be here today. That sounds like a religious statement to me, not a scientific one. And yet he can get away with it. He's proud of that statement, isn't he? Yeah. Our textbooks say the earth began to form about 4.6 billion years ago, grew by colliding with space debris. That's how these stars come together. Gases gather together over and over and they get compressed. Gases resist compression, so they expand, not get compressed together. So they say, well, explosions cause it to happen. You know what explodes? Stars explode to compress gases together to make stars. Did you catch that? Stars make stars. Where'd the first star come from? That's not science. It's not even common sense. The Big Bang, it's a big dud when you apply these principles. And there's all kinds of research out there that will tell you this. But the Big Bang theory can't survive without these fudge factors. This is what people like Lawrence Krauss are using as their so-called evidence to say, you creationists are crazy. Fudge factors, going against scientific laws. It says, today, virtually all financial and experimental resources in cosmology are devoted to Big Bang studies. Funding comes only from a few sources and the peer reviewed committees that control them are dominated by supporters of the Big Bang. As a result, the dominance of the Big Bang within the field, has become self-sustaining in respective of the scientific validity of the theory. Our science today and what, what Lawrence Krauss is believing in is all this dark matter and dark energy, all of which really have not been seen. Okay, It's all theoretical and how it all works and whatnot. We have 4% that's normal matter. Can we observe this? Are we making any assumptions here? Can we verify? No. We can't. We we can theorize. It says here, you know, uh, we've got this other planet and whatnot that's supposed to be coming. Additional findings have astronomers throwing that logic out of the window, scratching their heads even more. They found that it's not alone. Apparently NICU is part of the entire group of objects orbiting the sun in this inclination and in this direction. They're finding that it orbits... Uh, not in the, the plane of the equator like it should. How about Obama here when he says we're no longer a Christian nation?
4: Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, and a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of nonbelievers.
0: I agree with him. We're no longer a Christian nation because we've let the authority of God's word, let it slide out the window. And now even Christians that go to church, I'm not even sure they're Christians anymore because they don't even believe who Jesus is according to what the word of God says. How much, you know, I've got some Catholic friends who say, well, Jesus is the right way for me to get to heaven, but not for everybody. Muslims can get there too. Is that the same Jesus of the Bible? Or have you allowed people, culture, and the devil to redefine Jesus? Not just the word day, but Jesus to the point to where he's no longer the God of the Bible? Pretty important. You know, Richard Dawkins and the late Christopher Hitchens, they argued without uh, religious indoctrination by us Christians There would be far more atheists if only kids can be protected until they reach the age of reason. They said atheism would flourish. And that's what they want. However, you know what's interesting? Statistics show they're wrong. The retention rate here, studies show that atheists were the least likely to keep their worldview. You know why? Because deep down, God has put inside a conscience to know God's real. There's no such thing as an atheist. Every atheist knows there's a God. They just suppress the truth in unrighteousness, as Romans 1 tells us. They suppress it because they're angry with God. They hate God. National Center for Science Education. This is their mission statement on their website. Look what it says. Keeping evolution and climate change in the science classroom and keeping creationism and climate change denial out. The National Center for Science Education, the most important things that we can do to make sure in school is to make sure they they're not creationists and they don't deny global warming. Wow. This is where we're at. This is what, where people like Bill Nye are at. He hates creation and creationists. Frankly, God. Look what he said here. Back in 2012, I say to the grown-ups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world that's completely inconsistent with everything we observe in the universe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it because we need them. We need scientifically literate voters and taxpayers for the future. We need people that can... Well, we need engineers that can build stuff, solve problems. Two things here. How many of you are Christians? Just out of curiosity. How many of you pay taxes? What? That's weird.
6: I thought
7: you were Christians. What?
0: He's saying that apparently you can't be scientific, you can't be a voter or a taxpayer if you deny evolution. That doesn't even make sense. But the world applauds him for it. By the way, he was Humanist of the Year in 2010. Yeah. Look what he says. He continues. My concern is that we can't afford to raise a substantial fraction of the next generation of students who don't have the skills to think scientifically. We're at a crossroads in the history of the U.S. Without scientifically literate kids, we're going to fall behind other countries as inventors and innovators. We'll lose our edge. You see... Your kids have a disease if they deny evolution and believe in creation.
7: Oh, no,
1: not an engineer.
0: A disease. Yet it doesn't make sense. Here he is on Larry King. Watch what he says here on Larry
5: King. As Bill, those in the United States who publicly claim no religious affiliation have risen considerably over the last two decades. This recent shift, does it affect the interest in science? Well, If we go away from religion, do we go toward science?
6: I think what happens when you go toward science, you go away from religion. Reli- people get a lot out of religion. They get community. Hmm. That's what people want. And a feeling of
3: something's coming.
6: Uh, and it's very hard to accept for many of us that when you die, it's over. Hmm. That's really hard for a lot of people. But with that said, uh, my concern has always been you can't use tax dollars intended for science education to teach something akin to the earth is 10,000 years old and to because that's just wrong I mean it's, it's very much analogous to saying the earth is flat I mean, That you can show the earth is not flat you can show the earth is not 10,000 years old that's it we're not so teaching why do it they in school. continue to believe it uh, so apparently people with these deeply held religious beliefs they embrace that whole uh, literal interpretation of the Bible as written in English uh, as a worldview, and at the same time, they accept uh, aspirin, antibiotic drugs, <laughs> airplanes, but they're able to hold these two worldviews. And this is a mystery. The Bible has history book. The Bible is, is full of history, yeah. but it's not a science it's text. It's not a science text.
4: Yeah. It, is, it is full of history. It is full of the history of humanity yeah. and the evolution of culture, but it is not a scientific document.
0: Okay, you move towards science, you move away from religion. Is that true or false? False. Romans 1 says that you move towards science, you should even see God more clearly. That you can see God's power, qualities, and nature through that which has been made so that you're without excuse to deny God. Now, I would agree with him had he said if you move towards evolution, you move away from religion. Christianity. Christianity. And this this comparison to this this flat earth kind of thing that Christians, you know, used to believe. First of all, do you know that the flat earth idea, everybody thinks that Christopher, at the time of Christopher Columbus, people thought the earth was flat. No, they didn't. Go research that. You'll see that was an urban legend based on a fictional book that was used to attack Christianity, and it stuck. We've always known the earth is round. The Bible's always said it. The Greeks always knew it. The statues and, and, and artwork show it. We've always known it. And this idea about medicine, I mean, I don't understand, I mean, how these creationists can accept things like medicine and airplanes. Huh? Well, he's trying to say you can't think scientifically, it's just amazing that you can believe in airplanes and practice science. Oh, by the way, this flat earth thing too, you know, he's trying to mock that, but do you know that today the, the Flat Earth Society, there is one, and, and do you know that the president of it is an evolutionist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is something else. This is scary. Let's just kind of put to test what Bill Nye is saying here, that you can't think scientifically. Scientifically. If you're a creationist, do you know that almost every area, foundational area of science has been started by Bible-believing Christians? Yeah, look at this. All these names, I've highlighted some here with these red arrows, but uh, all of them, these are creationists. People like Pascal, Pasteur, Babbage, Faraday, Kepler, Newton, Bacon, the Wright brothers for the airplane, the MRI machine that we use in hospitals today, invented by a Bible-believing Young earth creationist. The invisible radar for the stealth bomber. Bible-believing young earth creationist. Wait a minute. You can't be an inventor or an innovator if you deny evolution. Well, apparently you can. And observation tells us Bill Nye is wrong. Even Matthew Murray, the guy that invented modern oceanography because he read in the Bible, Psalm 8.8, that there were paths in the sea. So what he did is he spent a career and a lifetime looking for those paths and found them. Today we have modern oceanography and understanding the currents of the ocean because a man took the Bible seriously. Yeah. Now I wish I could say it was only humanists of the year that were saying these things. But it's in the church. Here we have Carl Giberson, was a professor at Nazarene University for years, said, unfortunately the concepts of Adam and Eve as the literal first couple... And the ancestors of humans simply do not fit the evidence. A Christian. The authority of the Bible, who's now the authority? It sounds like he is. How about Pat Robertson? Millions of people watch him. Look what he says.
2: I love the show and watch daily. I have heard arguments from both sides of whether our earth is 6,000 years old or billions of years old. And I know you support the old earth position. My question to you is, how can we conceive that there were millions of years between Adam and Noah and millions of years between Noah and Abraham and more millions between Abraham and Moses and King David and Daniel and the apostle Paul? And now, 2,000 years later, here we are. Please explain.
5: Um, I think you're setting up a premise that's uh, inaccurate. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you're, you're trying to grapple with it and this old earth, new earth. The, the truth is uh, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to think that this earth that we live in only has 6,000 years of existence. It just doesn't. I'm sorry uh... you know i've got some interest in oil and you're you're now drilling in the jurassic uh... uh zone uh, sixty five million years ago when those dinosaurs were here they were they were uh... rotting in the earth and making oil and uh... there's no question about it there's no question that there were dinosaurs and no question that the radiocarbon dating there were sixty five million There's no question that some of the other things were much older than that, and we have so many geological records. Now, the question is, if you look at a day, day one, day two, day three, what is a day? Well a day is how long it takes the earth to revolve on its axis but what about a solar day well that would be how long it would take the sun to uh, travel around uh, the galaxy we're in well what about a uh, galactic day that could be how long it takes a galaxy to transverse the universe and so now you're talking about billions of years you don't know how long it is so day one day two and day three uh, it's all accommodated if you look at it that way But the idea is that you first have Adam and then you've got a billion years and then you get Noah or something. That's nonsense. I I think what we're looking at is that there was a point of time after the earth was created, after these things were done, after the universe was formed, after the uh, asteroid hit the earth and wiped out the dinosaurs, after all that, there was a point of time that there's a particular human being that God touched. And that was the human that started the race that we are now part of. And I think prior to that, who knows what was here. Uh, but I, I, we haven't worked all the wrinkles out. But I think to deny the clear record that's there before us makes us look silly. And you got the old earth, new earth. There's no way that all this, that you have here took place in 6,000 years. It just couldn't have been done. Couldn't possibly have been done.
0: You've got to be deaf, dumb, and blind to believe this earth is young, to believe your Bible literally? Isn't that something? And this idea about a galactic year, I mean, what's a day? We really don't know what a day is. Yeah, we do. The Bible tells me what it is. Science tells me what it is in the context. But again, he's trying to say we really don't know what a day is. A day could be a long period of time. No, Exodus 20, You were, I created in six days. You now do the same." Notice he didn't quote scripture once. And, you know, this oil down in the Jurassic area, do you suppose maybe that's because of Noah's flood? If you use the Bible to understand that? Here we have another guy. A Christian, Calvin College professor of religion, Daniel Harlow. He says, thus, Eden can't be a literal description of how things really were in the primal human past. He proposed that understanding of the fall may need to be, quote, reformulated, and the church must be willing to, quote, decouple original sin from the notion that all humans descended from a single pair. In other words, Adam and Eve aren't real people. Original sin didn't happen. Death was here before man. Another guy, Professor Tremper Longman, Biblical Studies at Westmont College. Listen to what he says. Read Genesis 1 and 2. My understanding of Genesis 1 and 2 is high-style literary prose narrative (laughs) leads me to conclude that it's not necessary that Adam be a historical individual for this text to be without error in what it intends to teach. Again, denying the authority of God's Word and that Adam and Eve are real people. Another one, Peter Enns, formerly with the BioLogos Foundation, denies Adam and Eve as real people.
4: Who knows if it'll change in the years to come. I'm still thinking about it. But all the Jesus stuff and all the sin and death stuff are are still real. Personally, I don't need a historical Adam to make all that happen.
0: We have William Craig, uh, William Lane Craig, a professor here, again... A big name in Christianity. Listen to this.
8: Over 50% of evangelical pastors think that the world is less than 10,000 years old. Now, when you think about that, Kevin, that is just hugely embarrassing that over half of our ministers really believe that the universe is only around 10,000 years old. This is just scientifically... It's nonsense, and yet this is the view that the majority of our pastors hold. It's it's really quite shocking when you think about it.
0: It's embarrassing to take the Bible as an authority? Here he is again on the Michael Corrin Show.
8: The Initial conditions of the Big Bang that cries out for some sort of explanation. How old is the world? Best estimates today are around 13.7 billion years or so.
4: Now, this is good, you see. This is a position I can embrace because there are people who who will sit here and say, no, it's 6,500 years old. Um, That that is not a tenable position? I don't think it's
8: plausible. Mm. Uh, The the arguments that I give are right in line with mainstream science. Uh, I'm not bucking up against mainstream science in presenting these arguments. Rather, I'm going with the flow of what contemporary cosmology and astrophysics uh, supports.
0: Now, is he getting this from the Bible? No, he's not getting this from the Bible. Do not add to my words, or he will be—he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Even people like John Piper. Listen to what John Piper says here.
8: A day, And he's preparing the land. He's not bringing new things into
0: existence. He's preparing the land and causing things to grow and separating
8: out water and earth. And then when it's all set and prepared he creates and puts man there. And so that that has the advantage of saying that the earth is billions of years old if it wants to be whatever science says it is it is.
0: What science says it is. Now what the bible says it is, what science says it is it is. Do not add to my words. You guys remember Chuck Colson or not Chuck Colson? Um, You guys remember uh, Andy Stanley? He's the son of Chuck Stanley. He's got a
7: megachurch in Georgia.
0: Listen to this.
7: The foundation of our faith is not the scripture. The foundation of our faith is not the infallibility of the Bible. The foundation of our faith is something that happened in history. And the issue is always, who is Jesus? If we really believe that God is the creator of the universe, that all time, space, and matter, all time, space, and matter were created by God, and we take seriously what science has told us, that it all began with a singularity, that's what it's referred to, right before there's not such thing as before the Big Bang, because before is time and time began. So if we go to the singularity that was the Big Bang, that unfurled the universe, that continues to expand. Religion and science conflict. At the end of the day, if you are an honest person, science must win. Here's the deal. Your Sunday school God probably could not be reconciled with science. I understand that. Your Sunday school God, the God that your church left you with as a child or even a middle school or a high school, and it never went beyond that, that God probably cannot be reconciled with science. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so is problematic for adults and here's why because the implication is the Bible is the reason we believe the Bible is the reason we believe him to college with a the Bible says it that settles it and then a professor got up and says well there's problems with the Bible and they begin to talk about things that are maybe aren't true or historically you know verifiable And your smart son or daughter that you spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get them educated, come home and suddenly they're smarter than you. And they already thought they were smarter than you, but now they have a professor saying, hey, you really are smarter than your Sunday school teacher and your parents. If the Bible is the foundation of our faith, here's the problem. It is all or nothing conversation. You know, somebody with all this information, you know, comes to the apostle Peter. Let's say the apostle Peter and says, Peter, hey, before you get all geeked out on this following Jesus thing, do you realize there's no evidence for a worldwide flood? Hey, hey Peter, before you get all crazy about the Jesus thing, do you know that there's no archeological evidence for the Exodus? Hey G- hey, Paul, but before you get all go and Peter, before you go crazy about the Jesus thing, you realize, okay, the earth is more than 6,000 years old, that whole genealogy in Genesis. Peter would have looked at you like, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, but but I followed a man for three years who spoke like no other man spoke. He was arrested and crucified and we thought game over. Because he said too much to be a good teacher. He claimed too much about himself to be a good teacher. Game over. We're all in hiding. A bunch of women come babbling that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. I looked into an empty tomb. And do you know what I concluded? Somebody stole the body. And a few days later. I had breakfast with my risen friend on the beach. So I'm not sure about 6,000 year old earth. I'm not sure about archeological evidence. I'm not sure about all that. The reason I'm following Jesus is because I saw him die and I saw him alive. And I went into the streets of Jerusalem to say, God has done something among us. For the first 300 years, the debate centered on an event, not a book. Mm -hmm. real the evangelical Pope and you really had the authority to say this is how it's going to be within American evangelical Christianity uh, what would you do I would ask preachers and pastors and student pastors in their communication to get the spotlight off the Bible and back on the resurrection isn't that something the foundation of our faith
0: is not the Bible When the Bible and science disagree, we must side with science. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I believe that this man is a Christian. I believe that his heart is in the right place. His whole point is we need to focus on the resurrection. That's what the disciples had was the resurrection. That's what convinced them. So we just need to forget about the authority of God's word. Focus on the resurrection. Guys, where does the resurrection come from? The authority of God's word. Not to mention, what did Jesus say? If they hear not Moses, Genesis, and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one would rise from the dead. You're not going to believe in the resurrection if you can't believe Genesis. But again, the culture... Has caused him to want to abandon that because you see, the world is attacking the church on taking the Bible as authority. Therefore, let's basically rather than defend the scriptures and its authority, let's compromise and say, okay, you can have that and let me just focus on something different. It doesn't work. Watch this one here Ben Carson and
8: Bill O'Reilly. But the other thing is your faith. Now, are you really a creationist? Do you, do you subscribe to Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, and that's where we came from?
4: Well, I certainly believe that God is our creator. And interestingly enough, if you look at our founding document, uh, the Declaration of Independence, it talks about certain inalienable rights given to us by our creator. Right, Well, but but that can be intelligent
8: design, you know, and intelligent design leads to evolution, but there are some people, fundamentalist, uh, religious people, who believe, look, Adam and Eve are there, and that's the way it says in Genesis, and that's that's what happened. Where are you on that?
4: Well, I think people are are certainly allowed their private beliefs. I know a lot of people say that I believe that the earth is 6,000 years old, and they have no basis for saying that. I don't know how old the earth is, It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then there's a period there. You don't know how much time elapsed.
0: You don't know how much time elapsed. But Bill O'Reilly gets it. When he kind of skirted that issue to begin with, Bill O'Reilly said, no, I want to know, you know, Adam and Eve. Because you see, Adam and Eve, that's an important point. Because without Adam and Eve, there is no original sin. Bill O'Reilly even, I think, gets it there. How about this? Here's a professor at a community college in Kansas. Uh, Again, now, this is amazing because this is what your children and grandchildren are are being faced with here. This is sad.
9: It will not be tolerated if you're gender-unefficient. You've got to appreciate all genders. Got it? How many genders are there? Nope. At least four. I'm sure there are. There are males, females, bisexual. (laughs) They can be both. Or transgender. <laughs>
7: and but, no gender.
9: There is no gender because they're eunuchs. So there's five. I will try not to influence you in any way on religion. I don't try to influence you. I really don't. Uh, I have friends of mine who uh, are, are, are Muslim. My best friend's a Jew. So I've got to have that down. And then I so I myself am a Christian. And I'm trying to become a better Christian every day. first thing I do before when I get out of bed is pray. That's the first thing I do, I ask for a blessing. And of course, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm going to take a chance on it not doing it. So, I mean, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to say that you're wrong. I, I do not believe in the theory of evolution. I am a creationist. Do how long a day is to God? Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't, so don't, don't think it does. Don't put a time limit on God. He might still be creating. He probably is. It's up to him, isn't it? He's in charge. When we get there, the first thing I'm going to ask is, man, how old's your day? I am. I'm going to ask him that personally. Believe it or not, they think man probably started to evolve around 4 million B.C. Now, for those of you who want to put a time limit on it, if you want to know how long the Bible actually covers in years, okay, it only covers 6,700 years. Okay, that's fact. From right there where the arrows say, approximately 2.5 million BCE to 8,000 BCE, which is a long time, it's called Paeolithic old stone age. Man used tools made of stone, is what old stone age means. By mistake, he found out that when lightning struck an animal and cooked it, then it was better eating if you cooked the raw meat. Man, at one time, had two stomachs to be able, to, be able to, to digest his diet, which was at that time probably filled with all kinds of stuff you wouldn't eat. What is your other stomach? Your appendix. It doesn't do anything. It's your old stomach. It's shrunk down. Couldn't eat. There's no way that's an animal. It is an animal, but it's a human. Why? She's grasping the club. Guys, look. The mother's got the baby in her arms. They can't. The other animal kingdom members don't have arms to put their baby or their arms around it. That's protective. There are two things that you, you see in that picture right there alone that prove that they are a different species already, not A. Yeah. got a question for you. How many ribs you got? Who has more ribs, you or her? That's correct. <laughs> we're proven, fact see I prove this stuff don't I I even prove it religiously for those of you who are Bible thumpers the Bible was written 300 years after the events at least it wasn't written during the time I get a kick out of an old lady in church what kind of Bible do you use I use the King James version I asked her why well that's the Bible Jesus used <laughs> No, it wasn't. Yeah. Jesus didn't use the Bible. It wasn't written yet because they did not have the technology to write it like that. Mm-hmm. And it was passed down through the ages by mouth and eventually written down by people that were religious writers, there's no doubt. But your religious writers go against some of the things that some of us believe in. We just don't believe that.
0: See, he's not going to tolerate, if you don't tolerate these other genders, supposedly... These five genders, he says. But at the same time, I'm not going to force my opinion on any of you. But I'm not going to tolerate this. It doesn't even make sense. But yet, who needs enemies when you've got friends like this? I'm a Christian. He prays, but I love that. I pray, you know, I'm just not going to take a chance that it doesn't work. Clearly, his understanding of Christianity isn't Christianity. Christianity. Because the church has allowed the authority of scripture to slip. So now Christianity is whatever you want it to be. Make up our own rules. Because the Bible doesn't define those rules. Again, look at what Richard Dawkins said in The God Illusion. When one person suffers from a delusion, it's called insanity. When many people suffer from a delusion, it's called religion. If this book works as intended, religious readers who open it will be atheists by the time they put it down. There is a battle for your kids. There's a battle for your mind out there. Oh, Stephen Weinberg, MIT, Harvard University of Texas, said, I personally feel the teaching of modern science is corrosive of religious belief, and I'm all for that. If scientists can destroy the influence of religion on young people, then I think it may be the most important contribution that we can make. They get it. They get that not science... Evolution will destroy the faith of your children. They understand it. Here's Richard Rorty, Princeton, Stanford. He says, parents who send their children to college should recognize that as professors, we're going to go right on trying to discredit you in the eyes of your children, trying to strip your fundamentalist religious community of dignity, trying to make your views seem silly rather than discussable. We arrange things so that students who enter as bigoted, homophobic, religious fundamentalists will leave college with views more like our own. Students are fortunate to find themselves under the control of people like me and to have escaped the grip of their frightening, vicious, dangerous parents. They get it. They know that they just need to get our kids in school. And they can just trample on their faith. Kenneth Miller here says, a presumption of atheism or agnosticism is universal in academic life. The conventions of academic life almost universally revolve around the assumptions that religious belief is something that people grow out of as they become educated. Again, it's a disease. Bill Nye, you can't be an inventor, an innovator, think scientifically, a voter or a taxpayer, I love what Dinesh D'Souza says, he says, children spend the majority of their waking hours in school. Parents invest a good portion of their life savings in college education and entrust their offspring to people who are supposed to educate them. Isn't it wonderful that educators have figured out a way to make parents the instruments of their own undoing? Isn't it brilliant that they have persuaded Christian moms and dads to finance the destruction of their own beliefs and values? Who said atheists aren't clever? Isn't that something we do so much to protect our kids and then we pay to have their faith destroyed? I think we need to start thinking consistently and logically as well sometimes. University of North Carolina, James Tabor, he was the chairman of religious studies, maintains that Jesus is neither the son of God nor the son of Joseph, but most likely the child of a Roman soldier. We've got this feminist... An Islamic feminist declaring that yes, Islam is the ideal just society. Islamic feminists confront any who threaten their Islamic or local community, whether they be organizations or individual men or Christian, Jewish, or secular women. How come all the other religions are accepted except for Christianity? Islam, yeah, we're going to kill you to make you believe what we believe. Christianity, we love you, yet you're evil. Because we say we love you enough to tell you when you're going, to, you know, doing something wrong. Statistics show since 1969, 1,500 churches have closed their doors in the UK. They've become tattoo parlors and climbing walls, all kinds of things. What's happening? Well, in the UK, the disease of evolution crept in. And, and as a result, the, the authority of God's word was challenged. And you know what is next? The doors of the churches close. closed. 6.3% of their population attend church. And yet today, 61% today in America of churchgoers leave the church by their 20s. Ken Ham wrote a book. We've got it on our website called Already Gone, where he polled mid-20s kids why they were leaving the church. You know what the answer is, ultimately? They no longer believe the Bible to be true. It's no longer an authority. Yeah, I like this in the New Testament, but the Genesis, that's not true. Science has proven that wrong. Guys, it's not long, and then they begin to think logically and realize, well, wait a minute. If it's not right here, why would it be right there? That is the first step of just denying God's word completely. One of the most fascinating parts of this book already gone was this. Do you know that Sunday school was proven to be more damaging to your children? Why? Well, Because in Sunday school, they teach you about the Bible, right? Well, then you go to college and you hear about these things about, well, dinosaurs never lived with people, all these different kinds of things. I think what happens is what happened to me. My first year of college, I began to abandon the faith a bit. Because you see... When you're sitting in your pupil's desk and you're hearing all these things that don't line up with Scripture from these professors who are supposed to be educated and know everything and are are certainly scientific, not religious, right? And they're challenging your Word. I'm sitting back in my pupil's desk thinking, man, I went to church all my life. The church didn't have any of these answers. How come they didn't give them to me? But the person who didn't go to Sunday school, they're sitting back in their pupil's desk thinking, man, I should have gone to church and gotten the answers to these questions. So they hold out a little bit longer. But across the board, whether it was premarital sex or homosexuality or going to church, if they did not go to Sunday school, they were thought more conservatively and biblically accurate than those that went to Sunday school. Across the board. Because the church isn't giving answers to these things. We need to give answers to our youth. So that when they're attacked, they can use the armor of God and understand how to use it. My godly family talks more about that. This is 2012. The Protestant population has declined from 53% of the U.S. population in 2007 to 48% in 2012. Isn't that something? The general social survey conducted by the University of Chicago also showed a downward trend in American Protestantism. According to Pew, Protestants are still the largest religious group in the U.S. But what happens when this changes? It's changing fast, isn't it? Very fast. I don't know what it is now in 2017, 2018. What's it going to be in 2025? 2025? Will there be any left? Are we going to be like the UK where 6.3% go to church? Here we see, do you believe evolution is the origin of human beings? Those that went to Sunday school, 24.6% agreed. Those that did not go to Sunday school, 18.5%. Is premarital sex okay? 59% versus 53%. Good people don't need to go to church. 39% of the Sunday schooler agreed; Only 28% of non-Sunday school goers. Church, is it irrelevant? Sunday school goers, 46% thought so, or only 39% that didn't go to Sunday school? Seems to make sense. Those who attended Sunday school were more likely to deny the stories of the Bible as accurate, to see the Bible as being written by men, doubt that the Bible was translated correctly, defend abortion and gay marriage, not to believe the earth is less than 10,000 years old, believe dinosaurs did not live with man, and to be anti-church. Now, it's not because these people went to churches that were teaching liberal theology, because 9 out of 10 said they were taught the Bible was true and accurate. 1 out of 10 were told that they could believe in Darwinian evolution, so hardly any of them. A quarter were told they could believe in millions of years. Eighty percent said their pastor said that God created the earth in six 24-hour days. So the doctrine was good, but apparently they didn't get answers. Kids have questions. Why is there death, disease, and suffering? Why can't homosexuals get married? I mean, they're just in love. Isn't it better to get divorced than to be unhappy? How can the earth be young if it looks so old? Why is Jesus the only way? Because this guy is so nice. Why do dinosaurs have nothing to do with the church? These are questions everybody's wondering, even adults, and yet the church doesn't answer them. It's time we do. To put the meat back in the Word of God. Let me show you this This as just kind of an illustration. This used to be my Bible when I was a kid. Nothing in it. That's as far as I was concerned. I didn't care to read it. You could just sit on the shelf and collect dust. As a matter of fact, it's even been said that all the Christians in the world at one time would pick up their Bibles and open them up. We'd all die of a dust storm. Nothing in it. But then I went to church in Sunday school. And I learned about Daniel in the lion's den. Noah in the ark. Oh, those were great stories. I loved those stories. Now all of a sudden God's word became a book that was filled with, well, neat Stories. That's it, it just need stories. But you know something? It wasn't until I got answers to questions like these that all of a sudden I could see wow, the Bible does have answers. The Bible does fit with reality, the real world around me. That now all of a sudden God's Word became a book that was filled with color, had meaning, and purpose. And I hope that that's what's happening with you guys today is that you're realizing that God's Word is a book filled with color and meaning, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you understand it in context. It's beautiful when you see what God intended it to be and that there are answers for life in this book. But the church needs to start giving those answers. We have to ask, are we teaching what the Bible says but not why? were to believe it. Are kids getting the message that the facts are irrelevant? That the, the Bible is just this book of religious ideas, but if you want scientific answers, you're gonna get that from the schools, from the media, from the ungodly foundations and philosophies. We gotta stop just thinking that The Bible is just about salvation. It's a book of life. It's a book about everything. It's an authority, not just on salvation. It's an authority on biology, on geology, on astronomy, chemistry, everything. It's the authority for all of it. Have we made man the authority of God's word? Have we let science interpret the scripture? By the way, music isn't the answer either. So many people think, oh, you know, our church is dying. I just don't get it. We need a better youth pastor. We need somebody who can really bring in the kids and rock and roll with them. It's not the answer. What you win them with is what you'll win them to. You win them with truth and the Word of God, I'm telling you, they come. I've seen it. I had kids come to my, my Bible study, youth Bible study in my home for 20 years. And we didn't do anything fun. I mean, what well, we did. We did the Bible study, and then we, you know, talked afterwards, got real with one another, poured into each other's lives, and they come. I'd love to talk more about that. Four out of every ten individuals currently involved in a Christian discipling process contend that there is no such thing as absolute moral truth, according to Barna. These are Christians. And there's no such thing as moral truth? Something's wrong. The survey also revealed that only 53% of church leaders believe that there are moral truths that are absolute. Guys, the Bible is absolute truth. Second Peter 1 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed. That means Genesis as well. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We also have Matthew 19, 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Jesus just defined the beginning for me, didn't he? He didn't say, haven't you read that he which made them millions of years after the beginning made them male and female? Now, I know when the beginning is, Jesus told me. It's that simple. And because I believe this is such an important issue, I'm going to close just kind of showing you one of the things that our Ministry of Creation Instruction Association is trying to do. We have purchased this trailer here and we turned it into a mobile creation museum called the semisaurus mobile museum it was an old fema trailer so it's heated and air conditioned and you go in the back door you walk through with a pair of headphones and a smartphone that we hand out and you have a self-guided audio tour through the museum so I've got a video here that will just show you that you can see uh, what it looks like on the inside as our drone will take you through the museum here quick. There's a 12 and a half foot alligator on the inside. We put uh, over $100,000 on the inside of this trailer. And so it is very professional. But what you see here at the beginning when you go through is... This beautiful uh, tree with Satan represented there in the serpent inside or in that tree. Every leaf on that tree was put on, carved out of styrofoam. Every leaf, uh, this lady that did it prayed for somebody with every leaf put onto that tree. It's one of my favorite in, in the whole museum. But what you can tell is that you get introduced to what the world was like kind of before the flood, but then... You know, sin came into the world with Adam and Eve. Sin brought death, disease, and destruction. And we find fossilized thorns that supposedly are 325 million years old. But yet, (laughs) how could that be if man's sin brought thorns? Somebody's right. Somebody's wrong. And then, because of sin, we run into Noah's ark that God had to destroy this earth. But there were righteous people and foreshadowing the cross that there was a door that you could come through to be saved. Like John tells us, Jesus is the door. And then that flood causes the ice age as you jump across to the other side of the room. And there you see that it was Noah's flood that caused the ice age. And we talk about other facts about fossils, and uh, there's a couple of TV screens there that will also go through some things as far as how fossils form, how could so many animals fit on Noah's Ark, uh, what's a kind, and you know some of the scientific answers as well. And then in front of that, there's this touchscreen where you get to see evidence that dinosaurs lived with people just before you go into the second room. And just off to your right, there's an animatronic dinosaur that squeaks and squeals at you and uh, kind of scares a lot of people because they're not expecting it. It's motion sensor. You turn around and you get to see actually birds in that dinosaur cave with the dinosaur because, you see, we find that in the fossil record. They just don't like to show it to you in the museums because they're not supposed to be together, but they're all over in the fossil record that way. And then in this whole second room, it's just evidence showing man Lived with dinosaurs from around the world from all different centuries. And then behind you is the alligator, this 12 and a half foot alligator and uh, large and small bones of an apatosaurus and whatnot. But the main gospel part being in the second room, we saw death came about in the first room, what death, you know, why it came about, because of man's sin. In the second room, then you get to see then why did Jesus die on the cross? What did his death mean? That if there was death before man, then Jesus' death couldn't mean anything. And so we give a strong gospel in that second room. And in the third room, you see living fossils, you see some biblical artifacts, uh, biblical coins, Egyptian artifacts, and this big eight-foot-long video wall, which basically gives a gospel, a Ray Comfort style of gospel using the Ten Commandments And a final call to say, you've seen in this museum, science is not at odds with Christianity and the Bible. Do you want new life? Do you want freedom? It's yours. And there's a TV as well that you stand in front of. You become a dinosaur. Whatever you do, the dinosaur does. And you get the dinosaur to touch these different pictures. And when he does, it changes the teaching about cavemen or or the overpopulation myth or things like that. There's a screen that just goes over scientific evidences of a young earth and much more. People can spend over two hours in the museum. The audio program takes about 25 minutes. But uh, we also have, uh, as a draw card, at certain occasions we use this dinosaur here as well. A very realistic looking, and as you can see, it's quite a draw card. Basically, you get inside of it, and you've got controls that walk around with it, so the eyes blink, the mouth... <laughs> <reduce and laughs> where at the state fair we had people following us all over. matter of fact, our first year open, we put 15,000 people through this museum, uh, and that was not getting it out as much as we'd like. I just don't have time to to, to do so. So uh, I just ask that you pray for us, because it is an important issue. Our kids need to know that there are answers. Our kids need to know that the Bible is an authority. And you see, science or interpretations of science cannot interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. It's that simple. This isn't rocket science, folks. And the reason science can't interpret Scripture is because science is always interpreted by your worldview. Every piece of scientific data ever found has to be interpreted by a worldview, You can have a Christian one or you can have a non-Christian one. You choose. But clearly Christianity and the authority of God's word is under attack. Are you going to stand firm and say, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.